This is the More Than Work podcast, where we talk all about how to gain more satisfaction in your job. It's possible to enjoy your life and your work, because business is personal. Hey, More Than Workers. How many of you consider yourself to be a leader? Okay, well, that was a trick question, because if you did not raise your hand, you're wrong. You're just wrong. Leaders are people who influence others. And whether or not you are a manager or you are an employee, if you are at the very, very top of the org chart or the very bottom of it, you influence other people on a daily basis, whether you mean to or not. So today we're going to talk about what kind of a leader are you and whether you are a what leader or a why leader. So let's talk about what a what leader does. And let's think about whether this applies to you or not. So most of us, we start our jobs and we're not very good at it, but we start to learn all the things that we need to learn, right? There's all these things that are in front of us. Okay, I'm gonna start to get good at my job. Over time, you start to get good at your job. You start to think about what's next uh, and you, you get more responsibilities because you start seeing some success, which is really exciting. And then as you start to get good at that, then you start to show others what you need them to do, right? You're starting to interface with others. You become the subject matter expert in that. And pretty soon you have your hand in everything that happens because you're really good at it. And that might feel pretty good. That's really good. You got your hand in everything. And then you start getting more and more responsibilities and more stuff is piling up on you. And then pretty soon you look around and you realize, oh my gosh, I have my hand in everything that happens and it's starting to stress you out and it's not feeling good and you start to get burned out and you start to get tired and all these what start to pile up on you. You've got this long list of stuff that you need to be able to do. And you're surrounded by all these people who are also trying to be working, kind of working, maybe not working as hard as you are. And you start to feel lonely, even though you're surrounded by people, there's people all over and they depend on you and you feel stuck and you feel lost and you get frustrated because other people don't seem to care as much as you do. And you realize that your success of you, you and your entire team is just dependent on you working even harder than you work today. The only way that you can drive even better results is to work even harder. If I just described you, whether or not you run a company or you are a frontline employee, if I just described you, this is what leadership. It's focused on the what things need to be done. And it is a very common problem that we see a lot. So our team's gonna talk about what leadership and we're going to offer an alternative, which is going to be why leadership. As always, we are joined by our wonderful team at People-Centric Consulting Group, Diana Royalty, Bethany Taff, and our facilitator host, Matt Griswold. Thanks, Don. Hey, everybody. Uh, good to good to see uh, see you again. I like this idea, this this topic, Don, and I think you did a great job of walking through this you know this what spiral. I guess is is how we're referring to it. And I and I would venture to say that tears were shed as you just walked through that. As you set the stage, tears were probably shed because you described a lot of people that we know. Right, we interact with these people. It seems like every time we start an or, start working with an organization, there is somebody in the organization that is in this. Right. Yeah, fortunately, if you're crying right now, the podcast isn't over. So it's not like we just got on there and said, is this your life? Yeah, right. That's awful. All right. <laughs> yeah. Well, next episode, we're going to talk about hopelessness. That's going to be right. fun. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, but that's $100 a ticket to come to the come to the uh, the, the, the helpful uh, podcast, which is next to tell you how to get out of this, uh, how, how to get out of it. <laughs> just, just kidding. Uh, so teaser. this... 
This describes us a lot. This describes a lot of people within an organization. I get caught in the what's. Now, I also wanted to focus on the emotion, like a question of this. And I can throw it to the group too, because you know this is, this is prevalent in my mind, honestly, because I was able to take a company, a group of employees through this conversation a week ago, and it seemed to really hit home. But let's just talk about the emotion. First of all, I want to, I want to put us in that place. You're starting a new job. It's the first day. Like, how are we feeling? What's the emotion? This is for anybody. Scared and excited. Scared and excited. I think it's funny you went scared first. Scared and excited. Well, I mean, like, I'm one of those people that like to be prepared. So, like, the minute I don't know what's coming, it's anxiety ridden. But I'm still excited about it because I know it's going to be it's going to be good. I mean, I took the job for a reason. I'm excited about it. Yeah, yeah. Bethany, how are you feeling? I mean, I think most people, probably me probably most people, I think this way, is that you want to meet, <laughs> you want to meet expectations. So you're kind of like, okay, I'm, I'm interested to hear like, what's expected of me? How are people going to measure my success? And, yeah. and how do people view me in the workplace too, at this new environment? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think there's anxiety that goes along with it. We work with enough companies to understand, understand this. We talk to a lot of new employees that are starting with different companies. There's an air of excitement. There's an air maybe of a little bit anxiety or stress. We have some unanswered questions like Bethany is, is talking about there. We, we start this process of, man, I want to do well. You probably took a selfie, put it right on social media as you're walking into the new place of work. New chapter in my life. This is a new step forward. Welcome to the new me, social media. And then you walk in and you are excited to be able to learn some stuff. And as Don was going through that, I, I heard the words, but I want to focus on the emotion of it here too, because I know there's a large part of our audience that the, you know thinks about the feeling side of this as well. I, I'm, I'm excited to be there. I don't want to disappoint. I want to accelerate my learning. You're probably, you maybe go through a stage of, of drinking out of the fire hose, so to speak. It's just information is coming at you. And then you might get into a lull or it's like, okay, I feel like I'm I learned some stuff. I'm getting pretty good at this. And then you start to get accolades and I feel pretty good. That was the goal after all, right? Like to be appreciated for my work, to be valued, to have a hand in the success of the company. And then, you know, if we're thinking about the emotion of it as well, too, I asked this question, I'll, I, you know, I, we already kind of talked about it, but I asked the question, I said, guys, what happens when you start to learn some stuff, you get some knowledge, you're getting pretty good at other stuff. What's the next step? And they said, I get more work to do. And that's true. That's the next step in this evolution. I get more responsibilities. But at that time, it's exciting because I'm learning more. I get to branch out and I'm adding to my repertoire of knowledge. And before you know it, as we're going through this, Don uh, did a good job of saying, I have my hand in everything. And then, you know, two steps later, it's holy smokes, I have my hand in everything and I can't breathe. The first stage, some of you might be at the first stage of this. Where it's like, I feel like I, I feel like I'm in the pretty good group. I feel like I, I know what I'm doing. I go to work. I feel like I know what I'm doing. Things have changed a little bit, but I'm picking it up. I feel like I have a good pulse on everything that's going around. And there might be other people who are listening going, no, 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 no. I'm in the second version of handing my hand, having my hand in everything. And it's exhausting. It's exhausting. I feel like I can't sleep. I can't think about anything else other than my job or my work it consumes me. There's probably, there's probably people who are saying, I'm in the seventh iteration of whatever that is. I am so far <laughs> past the everything is on. Like, I've got so many things on my plate right now. Right. I can't possibly handle all of this stuff, but I know I have to handle all of this stuff. And I'm so frustrated and bitter about the people that are around me who are trying to keep up with, who are not trying to help me with all of this stuff. 
Uh, who's going to help me get all this stuff done? It's all yeah. on my shoulders and you yeah, all we, don't seem to care. <laughs> we hear from business owners too, and, and it's different stages. People will call us and, and they you know might need help with a certain thing. And then we have some other owners, potential people that want to work with us and, and okay, what, what would you like support with? And they're like, I just need to sell everything and, and burn it to the ground. Like I'm, I'm done with all of the things. Like they have reached past this point for sure. So why is it important to understand maybe the emotion and the evolution of this cycle to this point, how we go from day one, we're excited to be there. I want to learn as many things as possible to holy smokes. It feels like nothing gets done unless I'm the one that, that does it. Why is it important for us to understand that maybe from the employee level, but also why is it important maybe to understand that from the managerial level? What are your thoughts? I think, first of all, it's, under, it's important to understand it. And, and, you know, sometimes I'll call this like leadership quicksand. Like it's this idea that you get lost in it. Like you've wandered into something and now you're stuck. Because first, I think you have to recognize that it's not that there's necessarily something completely wrong with you. It is something that happens to a lot of people in business. It can happen to you on a short-term basis too. I can think of a, a, a few months ago, there was a weekend where I was catching up on some stuff and I was working on a bunch of things and I was picking up all these projects. And I can remember getting mad at you guys. Like I was starting to get mad at you guys in the back of my head and as I'm doing all of this stuff. And then I realized like, wait a minute, I never, I never have once said to you guys that week, like, hey, I need some extra help this week. Can you guys pick up this or can you help? You would have totally helped me on this. Instead, it was like, I put it all on my own shoulders. That's, that's a very human thing to do, especially when you care about a company, you care about a team. Sometimes that we just do that. But the second reason that I think it's important to recognize that pattern is because if that pattern sounds like you, you can break out of that pattern. Some people will go through their jobs and I've seen people go through almost their whole careers, never breaking out of that pattern. And what happens is they break They can't wait for retirement and they can't wait to get out of it. And they're all burned out when they get to retirement because they didn't spend enough. Their life wasn't very well balanced. Uh, their work wasn't very well balanced. They didn't have a good attitude about their work. Uh, people didn't like working with them, even though they got a lot of stuff done. And it's, it's not a good path to be on. So if you can recognize that you're there, you know, I hope you catch yourself so that we can break out of it. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to understand it as well, because I think that there's sort of a misunderstanding that by doing this, by being on this path, you're sort of, you're on the path to success. If you're an employee and you're sort of trying, you're sort of trying to promote up within your organization and really become a, you know, a leader with a title, we'll say within your organization. And I think it's easy to think, okay, well, if I'm doing these things and I'm taking on more responsibilities and my hands are in all of these things and people are expecting this stuff of me. And so I have to do it. And this feels really good. And this is the way, this is the direction that I have to go if I want to be successful within my company. I think we, we can get on that path and think that this is how we have to do it. But I think that's a misunderstanding. And so that's, I think, another reason why it's really important to understand this. I think, I think that's a great call out. I, I, think, I think people are not shooting to get to that place to where, holy smokes, I have my hand in everything. That's never the goal but it sneaks up on you. Like if I'm an employee, the reason why this is an important conversation to understand is because you probably want to take a look at the things that you're involved in, the things that you're volunteering. How many of those people do we have that we work with? That's like, you need to stop saying yes to everything. And then you get copied on an email 15 minutes later. And that person has responded yes to taking on another project. Like some people can't help, help themselves, but you need to understand, you know, okay. So what is, what is uh, maybe, maybe where am I most impactful? Uh, how am I using that time? Those types of things. If I'm a manager, 
as far as I'm concerned, you know, one of the reasons this is an important conversation is because I need to understand that from a managerial level to employees, I need to understand that some of them can't say no. And I, need to, I have to try to have a good gauge of where it is that they are, where it is that I think that they're most useful. What is it that brings them life? Also, instead of just being the catch-all to do some of those things, what is it the thing that really inspires them to want to come to work for you every day? And then how do I how do I try to challenge them in those areas too? Don, what were you going to add? Yeah, well, as much as we talk, I like Bethany's point too about the success. If you're so focused on success, you know that that, and it's only about the success, you can really hurt yourself just to trying to achieve success. Uh, it's like it's like if you're working out or trying to achieve something. I'm thinking of a story. I think Diana. I think didn't you kind of hurt yourself while running one time? Like trying to like you were going to run really really far. Can I just throw you, throw you under the That's bus? That's true. Have you tell yeah. that story? Like you were just focused on yeah. I'm going to finish this and you ended up kind of hurting yourself? Not kind of. I legit hurt myself. My wonderful husband was like, we're going to run 11 miles today. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to do it. And around mile nine, I started like my knee started hurting. And I was like, that's weird. Doesn't matter. I'm going to make it to 11. And I was training to do a half marathon. So I was going to get to 13 and um, around mile 10, my husband looked back at me and I was literally hobbling while running and throwing up from the pain. So I, I just kept going. I didn't stop. I was completely stupid and was like, I'm fine. We said we were going to run 11 and I'm going to run 11. And I did it. And then the next day I could barely walk. And it took I don't know, like six weeks for my knee to actually feel better again. That sounds attractive, by the way, for your husband. It sounds really attractive. <laughs> put that put that in one of the uh, lines that I've never said. Around mile nine. I was gonna uh, say, I've never said that in my life. So nine miles was not even worth it. I'm just <laughs> let alone. He, he now refers to it as the hobble hurl incident. <laughs> First time I've heard that. That's yeah. perfect. Hobble hurl. Yep. Mm-hmm. Hobble hurl. Yeah. So anytime I go to overexert myself in any capacity, like even work-life balance, he's like, don't have a hobble hurl incident. It's quite annoying. That's but. good. So it's personal. So whatever, whatever reminders we need, this is, this is uh, that that's a good indicator for us to, Oh, maybe check yourself. Hobble hurl. Maybe your company can uh, install that phrase right directly in there. You'll know what it means. Hobble hurl. Oh but if we, if we take this to the next step, right? So people want to want to know when they hear us, when they hear us talk, something that we talk a lot about is this idea of you have an engaged workforce, you have a disengaged workforce, you have toxic workforce. According to Gallup, about 34% of the population across the country is engaged in the work, meaning they get up, they understand their job, they understand their role, they're getting ready to go to a place where they, they feel valued, they like the work they're doing, those types of things. Uh, about 51% of the workforce is categorized as disengaged. Disengaged are those folks that that uh, you know I'll go to work and I'll go home. It's a job. I don't care if I work there. I don't care if I work there. How much are you paying me? Uh, those types of things. I'm not really super inspired by the work that I do. I don't even really understand where exactly I fit into the organization. I do this stack of work that I have on my desk when I come in and that's it. Uh, and as long as you pay me to be here tomorrow, I'll be here tomorrow. And then we have this smaller population, about 16% of the population categorized as toxic. Uh, these toxic employees that are actively rallying against the awesome things that you are trying to do as a business owner or as a department head or manager, however you want to say it. You know, it, I would maybe a good time to say administration, executives, managers, owners are not exempt from the toxic list too. Uh, 
you also can get there if you're following this formula here in the beginning, following down the what the what spiral. And so if people are going, well, what takes somebody from an engaged to a disengaged? Not recognizing maybe the signs of this what spiral is probably a good indicator of something that is going to make somebody engaged versus disengaged. If you're following that path, I'm excited to be there. I'm learning cool stuff. Oh man, I got some new responsibilities. Maybe even got a promotion, learn new stuff. And now, holy smokes, I'm my hands and everything. I can't get out of anything. The success or failure depends on me. I can't think about anything else. This is easy to see kind of a visual of how people start to backslide from that engaged to that toxic, that toxic employee. So Really, you know, we've talked about that before. We have a couple of tendencies. If I'm managing in an environment, and let's say my employee has reached that, I, my hands in everything mold. As a manager, I have a couple of different options of what I can do, and you know how 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 I want to manage that person or that process. You know, one of those options is this idea of old school management, meaning it's getting a little stressful. I'm just going to tighten. I got to tighten everything up. I got to tighten everything up. My management style there. If I were to kind of define old school management for people, when we say that, uh, you know, this is somebody that thinks 1990 was like 10 years ago, right? But it wasn't. It was, it was, it was longer than that. How would we define old school management? What are we talking about? I think of old school management, I think the philosophy was around creating disengagement. Now, nobody would have said that before, but I really think that was the philosophy. I think that old school management was designed to actually create disengagement because if you are disengaged and you just show up and it's just a J-O-B, I just show up, it's a J-O-B, I'm just here. You don't really have a lot of hope for like finding something better. Uh, I've talked to people who have been disengaged in a job for a long time because they just look at their job and say like, well, I'm here. I, you know, there's, there's nobody likes their job. I had a good friend of mine tell me that not that long ago. It broke my heart. He's like, well, who likes their job? Nobody likes their job. And so, and that's, and he's been classic disengaged through most of his career. Wow. So I think the management style was like, no, I'll tell you what you're supposed to be thinking. I'll give you the what's you just do all these what's. And it's, it's, I'm going to have you do that. And then, then people don't leave. They stay with their careers their entire time. Yeah. I think for some people, Diane, I'm going to throw it to you here. I think for some, I think for some people that as a manager, you know, trying to create an employee who is disengaged, they might not admit that that's what I'm trying to do, but maybe as far as their perspective, maybe it's easier if I can just tell everyone what to do and then they do it, the whole world would be a better place. But that's not typically how that works. Diana, I didn't mean to cut you off. What were you going to say? No, you're good. I, when you said, what does like old school management look like? I immediately have all of these phrases that pop into my head and it's like, don't ask questions, just do what I tell you or top down management, like popped into my head. And I'm trying to think of one of the others that popped in. Why do people always just... have to be happy at work? Why do they have to be, yeah. why can't they just do the work because it's it is my, not my job to motivate people to happiness. Yeah. yeah. You don't yeah. need vacation time. That's right. You, There's work to you do. better get to work. You don't have a fever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Think of, uh, hey, I've been here a while. What do I get for my work anniversary? And they're like, you get to keep your job. That's a real life example. Diana said that to me uh, one time at, at work. So was, Matt, yeah. you want so many things from me and I can't give them all. <laughs> right, right. It's just that's, an example. Just an example. That's like so my power cord is too short in my case. Can I get a longer power cord? That would be great. Thanks so much. I did much. not say that. They're that is false. I did not say that. Just a point. You that's did just... call me one time because your computer didn't work and I legit was like, 
do you have electricity in Bolivar? And you were like, yeah. And then you were like, oh, wait, no, not here. My bad. That's Well, my defense, we had built a new addition onto the house. That was in Clever and that outlet was not charged. So that was, was a good question. I thought it was ridiculous and it, you were correct. But anyway, the, an employer's issue on that. So we, need to, <laughs> we need to do better. We need to I do think better. I think one of the I think one of the other indicators of old school management is that you question is that you question everything. Like you have to have a reason of why somebody is doing something all all the time. It takes away from that autonomy, that idea of autonomy. Don, I know you you talked about autonomy as being one of the top three things that people need, you know, in their work, something to keep them engaged, their uh, autonomy, working within their strengths and also towards a common purpose. But I think old school management is not allowing that to happen, not allowing you the autonomy to be able to do the things that you that you think that you need to do in order to accomplish the task, not caring whether or not that you're working within your strengths or not. This is the job you've got to do it. And we haven't done a good job of maybe creating a scope that that might be a good way to, to describe old school management where you're going to add something. Yeah, I just I mean, I, I've heard recently some stories uh, from a team. They talked about a manager who said, you know, you can only have you can only use this many pens in a month, you know, that kind of thing. Like, it's like, like very, like you, you're allocated like one pen every three months. Right. You shouldn't need a second pen after more right. than a month. Those types of things. I get what you're trying to accomplish as a manager, but that is so what leadership, because you're telling them like exactly what they should be thinking, which makes employees shut off their brains. Because if you're going to think for me, I might as well just tell you, just tell me whatever it is that you want me to do. You tell me if I'm wasting time, yeah. if I'm inefficient. I heard the same manager told the group, you know, you're really actually lucky that you have a job, that people are bringing up some, some concerns and they were willing to kind of jump in and help with that. And the manager shut down the discussion by saying, you know, things aren't really that bad here. You're actually really lucky to be here. That, that, that's, that, those are things that, that even if that's right, even if you're correct on that, those are things that are designed to shut down people. Yeah, ab absolutely. You know, the, if we were going to say, if there's a positive side, positive side uh, for disengaged employees is that they don't leave and they don't create trouble. As far as old school managers are concerned, if I can keep them in that place, if I can keep them in that box, just do what it is that I'm asking you to do. They don't create waves. They're disengaged. If, if I'm disengaged, I don't really care what we're doing tomorrow. I'll just show up and you just let me know what it is that we're doing. But there's a problem with that as we are transforming. Maybe, you know, there's a problem with that as we've talked about the different generations as they've been coming, coming to the table here, the Gen X, the, the millennials, the Gen Zs now uh, that are approaching. And the problem with that is the the workforce has become less tolerant of old school management styles. So this old school trait. So if we're following the path, we get what stuck in the what spiral. All of a sudden, you know, we went from extremely happy to be there. I'm learning some cool things to now my hands and everything. I can't breathe. Whenever stress hits as a manager, as an employee, typically our worst parts about us will come out and we try to tighten everything to be able to gain control of that, which, you know, maybe part of this element of old school management, but this workforce and old school management don't coexist. The workforce has become less tolerant of that old school management, uh, old school management style. So if I'm a manager right now and I'm going, okay, so I don't want that to happen. Clearly, I don't want that to happen. If we were being honest with ourselves, if we said, hey, how many times do we go meet with a manager? And we say, how many of you want your employees just following you around and you have to be at the beck and call and you have to tell them exactly what it is that you want them to do? No managers we work with want that. No, and like I, that. I, I want to add too that, you know, we've been talking about this in the manager's framework, but I want to flip this around to the employee's framework. Like you can be a what employee and you can create a, a, a type of employee that the manager will have to manage old school. 
So if yeah. you're in the mindset of I'm always doing the what's and you're just going to give me the what's and I'm not going to think about bigger picture, I'm not going to let anybody else do it, I'm going to own this and I'm going to protect my kingdom as an employee, you're going to encourage your manager to manage you in a way where if I, you're only going to talk about the what's, I'm going to manage you that way too. So it's actually a cycle. Both sides influence that. If you're stuck in all of these what's and you're not willing to ask for help, you're only going to take it on yourself, but you're also going to be bitter about it. You create a toxic relationship with your manager and your manager is going to manage you in a different way, which is going to be more of an old school way. So I just want to, that this is a two-way relationship here that we're talking about. Yeah, that, that's true. And so if we're wondering, like the next step is how do I break out of this what spiral? What is something tangibly I can do to be able to break out of this what what spiral? And it's it's getting into this idea of why leadership. So not just working for the what's, the to-dos, the things that I have to accomplish. And you might be sitting here during this podcast and you might be working on the to-dos of your world right now. And this is just in the background. And hopefully something has piqued your interest going, yeah, wait a second. Why am I doing the things that I'm doing? Why, why, why is it that I am working on, maybe you're working on a project right now. Why are you working on the project? I'm not saying to stop working on the project. I'm just saying to focus on why it is that you're doing it. Why it is that maybe other people aren't also helping to do it. What is the ultimate goal of that thing that I'm working on? Uh, who might be most impactful to help me work on this thing? Uh, th those types of questions, Don. So when we think about what, like you talk about how do you transform from the what to the why? A lot of that in terms of the what's, if you think about what leadership, you're really kind of talking about delegation in a way. How can I get other people to do something when I'm clearly the one that cares about it? And I'm the only one that does it really, really well. Well, that transformation starts with you and how you interface with your team. Let's talk about what we see in terms of people when they delegate and how they evolve from what to why leadership. So that it really starts off with, first of all, just the, in, in, the inclination that maybe if some other people did some stuff, I wouldn't have so many things on my plate, right? I would just love it if some people could just take some of the things off my plate. Right. It often starts with that. Just by admitting to yourself that, yes, if I'm the one that has to do everything, that's not good for me. That's not good for my team. That sense to transform to maybe are other people even capable of taking things off of my plate? Maybe they're capable of taking a few things. And most leaders, when they start to transform, they start thinking of the really basic things that they have. Like, it's like, okay, help me. Somebody help me with my schedule or somebody take this little part. If you're, if you're a frontline employee, I'll give you this really basic part of the job, but I'm not going to give you the more complex things. But others maybe can take that on. When you start to release some of that, what you see is that other people actually might be pretty good at taking those things off your plate. Maybe the things that they're doing, maybe they do it almost as good or as well as you do it. But if you continue to lean into that and you let others take some of those things off your plate, you start to discover that maybe other people are even better at some of the things that you do. Now, this is where the transformation starts to happen because that is an uncomfortable moment, right? If you're an employee and you're thinking, I'm great at my job and I am, I am paid for doing this great job, why is this beneficial for me to engage other people to help them to also be great at the job and maybe even someday become better at the job? Because at the end of the day, if you're just focused on the what's, all you're going to have is a long list of things to do. If you focus on the why's, then what you're doing is you're leading a team to be more successful. And you can do that as an employee or you can do that as a manager. And that creates the ultimate transformation that not only are other things, other people, not only can other people do things as well or even better than you can and take things off your plate, but it comes to the realization that maybe it's not even your plate. It's not just your plate. 
This is true if you're a business owner, you own the business, you're running, you're, you're trying to run the show. If you take a step back and you recognize that it's not my plate, it's not my job to do everything here. It's not just me. It's I have a team of people that I can work with. If you're an employee and you're like, well, no, it's not fair because I'm in this role and it's all depends on me. And you recognize, no, 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 you still interface with this team. You interface with a manager above you and you recognize that we can all work together to accomplish this. And you get back to the why you're doing what you're doing, not just the what's you recognize that it starts to, your job is not just about the processes, it's also about the people around you. What leaders focus on process, which is good, but why leaders focus on people, which is even better. If you are a frontline employee, middle manager, top line employee, whatever it is, you recognize there's other leaders in your organization and that part of your job is to work with them so that you can all work together better. That's what that why leadership comes into because you are a leader, everyone's a leader, right? Not everyone's a manager. Managers have authority levels, but everyone does uh, impact each other. Everyone influences each other. That's, it. That, that's that transformation that we're talking about. Don, I love it. I love, I love all the things that you're saying there. And you know, it, it's, it's, it's really delegation when we're talking about what are the things that could be taken off the plate. Some people have a fear of delegation because they feel like other people won't do it as well. But I think also the only thing I would add to that and, and this is, by the way, far, far fewer people are comfortable delegating when I'm going around speaking at different er er organizations or for different seminars and things. And we talk about delegation, a lot less people are comfortable delegating than, than are comfortable delegating. Uh, they just don't appreciate it. But if we spin the idea of delegation, instead of just getting rid of all the crap I don't want to do, to actually then positioning it to, wait a second, what if so-and-so is good, act actually good at doing this and I don't have to do it? How much better or stronger are we as a team? I think that's a good way to be able to also view what, what this idea of delegation. So seeing the plate and this, I love the analogy of the plate. And one of the things that we do maybe most for business owners when they start to work with us is we do help take some of those things off their plate. And we start to start start to redistribute that to the people that they're their number one resource, their people that they're also trusting to help them accomplish those things. And what they find is twofold. What they find is that I have more time to be able to focus on some of the things that I need to focus on. And two, uh, I have some pretty talented people that, that have other interests and other, other um, talents than, than what it is I hired them specifically to do. So all of a sudden now other things like succession planning comes in, it comes into play, promotions to other departments come into play. And if you have those things on the table, speaking from an employee's perspective, that's really, that's really positive for your culture. People are given the opportunity to be able to learn something new, try something different. Yeah, let me have that responsibility. I'll, I'll be happy to take it. We just have to be able to manage that because otherwise that what spiral, we got to keep the why in front of those employees too. Uh, otherwise that what spiral will, will uh, become overwhelming at the same time. So, so I, like what, I like what you're saying there, delegating, delegating that and then having the epiphany of, listen, it doesn't always have to fall on you. Everybody is a leader within the organization. Some of them will take a hold more of the opportunities than others, but it's up to me as a manager to be able to provide that opportunity. I, I like this thought here, show me a disengaged or toxic team and I will show you a what leader. So if we have a, a team of people that seem to be disengaged, they seem to be unplugged, chances are they, they have a leader that's in front of them that is a what kind of leader, just focusing on those what things that are there. So the transformation of the organization or of your team starts with you maybe as the leader of that team uh, or you even as using your influence as an employee with the rest of your team too. Diana? 
Well, I was going to add that I think a lot of times as an employee on even our small team, it is hard for me to delegate because there's just not, there's not a lot of us and there's a lot of stuff to do. And so I found it helpful to even just put the why in my task list, like write the check to whoever, right? That's not a super motivating thing to do, but if I remember the bigger picture and I can kind of say like, oh, that check was for this thing, which made this thing possible, which got us here. Like it just helps you feel better about all the little tasks that you're doing. So I actually, when I have a lot of tasks to do, I put a why on my task list so that I feel better about completing all the what's. I think that's really good. Yeah, yeah great. Yeah, I was thinking with the delegation conversation too, there, I, I was having this conversation with somebody the other day and I ask them just straight up because they are having, they said that they have trouble delegating for some of the reasons you said to Diana and feeling bad for, you know, not wanting to just put stuff on other people, but also sort of asking about, Hey, do you, but do you trust this person on your team? And the answer was no, actually. <laughs> and so I said, so I think that's another just insight too, of if you're asking yourself the question and you don't trust the people on your team, why is that? Is it a them problem? Are they the right person for for that position and the right person to be on your team? Or is it a you problem and you don't trust them because they need more training or you haven't done your job on that and to lead them really well? So consider that too in the delegation conversation. Yeah, and do you actually not trust them or do you just not trust them yet? Right, like, exactly. Like there's a difference between that. There's there's three possibilities there. It's, I, I trust you because I know you can do what you can do. I don't trust you because I've seen you fail over and over and over again. Yes. And then I don't trust you yet because I don't know what you can do because I haven't given you the chance. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, important time to remind everybody to have grace. Have grace, especially if we are under the impression that our employees are That's so are stupid, Matt. That's so <laughs> grace. You're fired. <laughs> All right, let's lead to uh, let's lead to wrap up here. We talked about the what spiral. Uh, I think this answers one of the most common questions we get. What what are the, some of the things that lead engaged employees to disengage? What are some of those things? And I think that this conversation does a good job of spelling out that evolution from super engaged, you're happy to be there to all of a sudden things get out of control. It's not a path that people try to put themselves on, but a path that we often find ourselves all of a sudden we're we're either halfway down or five steps past the end of it. And then how do I get out of that starting this transformation from within to be able to you know, delegate, change maybe how I, I'm leading my people, giving the opportunities of those things too. We can reverse the course of that what spiral by focusing on the why leadership. So what's your take, what, what is your, I almost said take away. What's your take away? <laughs> I don't know what, I don't know where that's from. What is your takeaway team? Uh, what would you say is your, final piece of input here for this topic. Who wants to start, Diana? Yeah, I am going to say that when we first started talking about this, I was like, oh my gosh, the freaking, everyone knows you got to tell the why, like, can we just move past it? I'm so tired of this conversation, Right. but I do see that it works. And I see that when I don't understand the why behind something that I'm doing, I either know that that thing is no longer valuable or I go seek out and try to understand the bigger picture. I definitely think that most of the time when you don't understand why you're doing something, it's because you don't understand the bigger picture. You haven't asked or you, or that thing is no longer valuable. And if those are the cases, 
I just want to encourage everyone, go figure, go ask the question. I don't, don't ask it rudely and don't be like, why do I have to do this? But figure out the bigger picture and understand where you fit. And I think that makes everything run a little more smoothly and it gives you a little bit more purpose. And it's definitely an important step in even just the basic tasks. Yeah, I agree. I like it. Bethany. So this is something we talked about earlier and it's something that I have to be aware of for myself. And so I think for me, the takeaway is to not misunderstand that what leadership doesn't necessarily equal successful successfulness or success. And so if you're getting lost in that, in that cycle of, okay, I have to do more and I have to do this. And if the more I do, and the more responsibilities that are given to me, and the more that people ask me to, to jump in and help on a project or whatever, that means that I am, you know, that I am successful and I am seen as super valuable in the organization. Stop and take a breath and think about that and make sure that it's effective and that you know your why instead of just getting lost in the what. I like it. Thank you. Don. Yeah, I guess I would offer up that a deeper why as as a perspective is around the people that you work with and not the thing that the people do. If you can find joy in the team that you work with, I think you're going to have a deeper experience in the job and you're going to be better at the what's that you do. The why might be around the people. If you don't like your team that you're working with, you might be doing it wrong. Dang, that's good, Don. That's Shattering like a dreams. good one. Boom. Shattering dreams. I would say this. I think this is my takeaway too. Maybe you're not disengaged yet, but are you close? Where are you? Take an honest evaluation of where you are in the life cycle there of that what spiral. Are you still at the beginning where, no, 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 I'm learning stuff. I'm getting, you know, I'm, I, I feel pretty good. Uh, I have some responsibilities or are you like, well, if I get any more responsibilities, like I'm just going to lose it. I'm going to be in that last part. And I don't know what it is that I'm barely hanging on right now. I think it's an important piece to be able to just take a step back and say, where I, where am I in the life cycle here of the what spiral? And that way, you know, if you have an awareness to it, you can start to manage that as well. Start to seek, you know, conversations with your manager to talk about, Hey, these are the things I'm doing. These are the things I really enjoy it. Uh, but maybe I need help prioritizing some of these things or with time management, or maybe I need to give up this responsibility that I volunteered for. I don't know, but I would, I would just, if I were you, I would protect yourself at that time. If that's something that you feel uh, you might be on the edge of losing. So anyway, I hope you enjoyed the topic today, this what spiral into why uh, leadership there. And uh, I think it's relevant. We, we hear it quite a bit at different organizations. Um, I think it's timely as well, too. So if you have other topics that you'd like to engage us on, we'd love to be able to hear from you. Diana, how can they get a hold of us? They can email us at morethanwork@peopleccg.com. All right. Hope you enjoyed the topic. We look forward to hearing from you soon. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the More Than Work podcast. Join us next time. And in the meantime, lead well.